0: again friends and welcome on into episode 118 of the sco show my name is mark schofield back in the big chair for today thursday july 2nd 2020 can't believe we're in july we're halfway through the year what a year it's been but we are back Second show this week because, after all, we have more Cam Newton to discuss in the second half of the show. We have a guest. I can't remember the last time. I was actually trying to figure out the last time I had a guest on this show. It was probably like during the season, unless I'm missing something. I had somebody on for the draft. I'm not even sure we did that. Your boy got a chance to have somebody else carry the load today, so I'm excited about that. We have John Ellis who's the managing managing editor of One Panther Place. He's also the co-host of a soon-to-debut Panthers podcast. He came on. We had a little chat about Cam Newton, all things Superman. So that's the second half of the show. Going to do some nerdy football things in the first half of the show that also involve Cam Newton. But before we do that, our usual reminders here at the outset. Follow on the old Bird app at Mark Schofield on Twitter. Check the workplaces like... Matt Waldman's rookie scouting portfolio, not one, not two, but three SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, where I did a piece this week on a game script for Daniel Jones. You might want to check that out because interestingly enough, I used a Dan Hennon 2005 Carolina Panthers playbook. Why might that be interesting to you? Because while Dan Hennan is a branch, a solid branch off the air Coryell coaching tree, you read that playbook and you see this piece, you see a lot of terminology that is ripped right from a New England Patriots playbook. And it's a it's a great example of and I often talk about this. We we sometimes romanticize the schools of offensive philosophy. To which I'll say this. I have in my office a big whiteboard where I jot down like ideas for pieces, and there is a little section of the whiteboard where I'm working through mentally offensive schools of thought as Witcher schools. And those of you who've played The Witcher, The Witcher 3, or have read The Witcher books, you might know where I could be going with this. But for example, I have West Coast equals School of the Cat. I have Coriel equals School of the Crane. And so we sort of romanticize that these offensive systems are just these sort of isolated ecosystems, but they're really not. There's a lot of interplay amongst the schools of thought when it comes to offensive philosophy. I've said before, you pick up a Patriots playbook, you'll see air raid stuff in there. Every team has a three-level stretch, which you usually associate with, say, the Coriel school. And looking at this 2005 Danahannon playbook, which you can find at com. It's a great example of that because it's a Coriel thing, but you see Ghost Tosser, you know? And then, for example, as I was looking at a 2016 Patriots playbook in preparation for today's show, I saw Snow, which is a running back option route that I first saw in that Dan Hannon playbook. So some nerdy football stuff there. And so you might want to check out that Big Blue view. Big Blue View piece on the Daniel Jones game script for him. Of course, the QB Factory and Michael Kist at Bleeding Green. And right here, Pat's Pulpit. And yes, USA Today with the Metrics That Matter series rolls on. This week so far, I've talked about Kirk Cousins and maybe him being a little bit better than we thought. I'm taking some L's, I guess you could say. And Baker Mayfield and some play action stuff. So those are the places you can find the work. I want to talk about, in the first half of the show, three football terms, ripped from a 2016 Patriots playbook that I was lucky enough to get my hands on, and unfortunately, I cannot share with it. Sorry. I've been sworn to secrecy on this one, but I can talk about it a little bit. The first phrase I want to use, these are all one-word phrases. The three are going to be home, angle, and ram. The first one is home. And anybody that has seen the Patriots over the past couple of years probably will recognize and understand what I'm talking about as soon as I start describing this. Imagine, if you will, Patriots break in the huddle, lining up with Tom Brady alone in the backfield, in the shotgun, empty backfield, and James White flexed out wide to the left. And then James White comes back into the backfield to stand next to Tom Brady. That little shift is in the Patriots playbook as home. The Patriots have two running back or H-back shifts. There's hey and there's home. It's described in the Patriots playbook as a half-back shift that simulates half-back motion. Either hey, which is H-shift from the backfield or away where you start in the backfield and then you shift out wide, or home, where you start out wide and shift to the backfield, or you go home. If home shift into a formation, the halfback will align opposite the Z as the widest player in the on the field. You begin with no backs in the backfield. You are always off the ball, and then you come back into the backfield. And home as a shift, was always a means of giving Tom Brady information, right? That's why they would use it, for the most part. You put James White out wide. If you see a cornerback over him, you're thinking zone coverage. You see a linebacker over him, you're thinking man coverage. And Then you bring him back into the formation, and you see the response to that. If, it's, if he's out there, and there's a corner out there, and you're thinking zone coverage, then suddenly he shifts back, and that corner follows. Well, they're in man coverage. They're just using a cornerback on him. And so it's one of those things that they do to give the quarterback information. But then when teams started to figure it out, they added a little wrinkle. Home became more of a play element than a pre-snap indicator. Because how many times did you see them put wide out wide? It looks like he's just coming back into the backfield, and then they snap the ball and they flip it to him in a little fly sweep, Right. And teams could sort of start to figure that out. They would see that they would prepare for the potential outside zone look off of that that the fly sweep incorporates, and be ready on the edge for it. But now with Cam Newton home and this shift and this potential package, because something becomes something completely different, right? Because you're if you're a middle linebacker and you see. Tom Brady in the shotgun, you see James White using this home motion coming back. You're thinking, if they snap the ball, they're running that sort of outside zone play off of this. I got to get my butt to the edge to help stop it, right? And there's one thing you're not contemplating at all. You might be thinking they're running that play. You might be thinking they're running some, some sort of play action design. There's one thing you're not worried about. You're not worried about 12 faking the handoff and then follow on a pulling guard right up the middle on some sort of quarterback midline read. That's the last thing you would ever contemplate with Tom Brady. But with Cam Newton, you have to respect that. In, in thinking about Cam Newton as a player in this New England offense, a lot of people wonder, you know, how he's going to fit into the Aaron Perkins system and what New England does conceptually in the passing game and how he might have to adjust. Well, what about the things that this opens up in the New England Patriots office? And this is just one example because something that they had is almost just a pre-snap element that became something else as a result. Now you got a different layer to it. And if you're Matt Milano, And the Buffalo Bills. And the Patriots have a first and goal at the seven. And they come out in this empty formation. And then you see James White come back in that home motion. And then he's picking up steam. And they snap the ball. And Cam Newton puts it in his belly. And is staring at you. What do you do? If it was 12 with the ball in James White's belly looking at you you start running to the edge. You're not worried about Tom Brady keeping that and getting vertical in the midline read. And if for whatever reason Tom Brady did decide to keep it, he's probably going to get taken care of by the D-line. But Cam Newton's a different story. And so that's just one thing that he brings to the table. The other two words, like I said, ram and angle. What are those? Those of you that were along for the ride last summer in the Patriots A to Z series I did over at Locked On Patriots probably recognize those. Is there routes for the running back in the New England Patriots playbook? Angle, everybody's favorite Madden route, right? Halfback angle. Free release outside, sell the diagonal, plant outside foot two yards outside the tight end. And two yards downfield coming under the defender back inside at a 45 degree angle. Coaching point. You can break this back outside towards the sideline if you are walled off by the inside defender. So you've got an option element to it. And then there's Ram, which is very similar. Free release outside to the seam. Attack the seam or seam defender. Get on the toes of the defender and break across his face. If you can't get across him, you must go behind him. You cannot do what they call pulling out, which is breaking back towards the sideline. So on angle, you have the option to pull out, break back towards the sideline. On Ram, if you can't cross his face, you go behind him. These are both angle routes from the running back. This was a Christian McCaffrey from Cam Newton special. Expect to see James White running this a ton. And expect to see Cam Newton, if he is indeed the week one starter, throwing it a ton. Because when they had their offense under Norv Turner, a drop back, Corey L type guy, they looked to these types of plays to get Christian McCaffrey involved. And Newton was more than happy to just take these routes. Certainly Tom Brady was as well. But in reading about the potential fit of Cam Newton in this offense and thinking about it conceptually, a lot of people have said, who's going to be the Christian McCaffrey? Well, obviously, the early favorite for that is James White. And while we've often seen them get James White involved in the flat, on wheel routes, this is going to be a core component of it. And one cannot help but be reminded of that great moment from a couple of years ago when I was over at Bleacher Report with Doug Farrar and we were doing the NFL 1000 project and I was great the quarterbacks each and every week. There was that play from a Panthers Packers game when the pa- the Panthers were in the red zone and Clay Matthews is calling out, watch that wheel or watch that wheel route with Christian McCaffrey and Newton calls his shot. Ruthian in a sense. And he's like, Oh, you've been watching film, huh? Yeah. Watch this. And they run the angle route for a touchdown. I remember seeing that play and sending Doug a DM. I'm like, I don't care what else happens the rest of this week. This was in the midst of a like 1 o'clock game. I'm like, I don't care what else happens the rest of the week. He is our top quarterback this week for that moment alone. And like I said, you cannot help but think of that play when you contemplate Ram, Angle, and Newton in the Patriots offense. So that's some nerdy stuff for you. Home, Ram, and Angle. Three words to get you through the holiday weekend. Up next, something else to get you through the holiday weekend. That's John Ellis from One Panther Place. He's going to join me. We had a fantastic conversation about Cam Newton, his health, the supposed character issues, which John has done a great job both on Twitter and, as you'll see in a moment, working through how ludicrous that is. Great discussion with John. That's ahead on episode 118 of The Sco Show. And welcome back to episode 118 of The Sco Show. Proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. And brought to you, as always, by the fine folks at SB Nation. And it's been a while since we've had a guest. I actually can't remember the last time we had a guest. I've been I've been doing the work on my own. And I figured with a week like this, we need some help. I always need help. But especially on a day like today, and I couldn't be more excited for the guest we have. He is the managing editor of OnePantherPlace.com, and he is the co-host of a new Panthers podcast, which will be coming from Blue Wire sometime soon. He is the one and only John Ellis. You can find him at Twitter, at OnePantherPlace. That's spelled out at One Panther Place. John, how are you doing, buddy?
1: Mark, you're so kind for all that promo. Thank you so much for that. And it's it. let me tell you something. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy your podcast. I've been listening to it for a long time, and I actually can't believe I'm actually on it right now. But it's been a big week, and I'm honored you'd have me on to talk about the uh, the Cam Newton news, right?
0: Yeah, John. And like I told you before the show, you you, was, you were the first person I thought of. And it might be because you have done such a good job, I'd say, over the past three months. On the dot com, on Twitter, on the Bird app, getting people ready for whenever Cam was going to go to a new team. Because, like Babe Ruth calling your shot, you said I think back in March that Cam was going to go to a different team, and suddenly the NFL world was going to fall in love with him. So before we dive into the questions, I'm just going to give you a second to take a little victory lap.
1: Oh, no, I'm not going to. Okay, you know, you know what? Victory lap for me. Go Get for it. The cap. Thank you, Twitter. Believe in me. Appreciate me. Bow down to me. No, I'm not going to do that. No, listen, that tweet we put out there back in March, here's where that comes from, okay? We had the the feeling here at One Panther Place that he, he was not going to stick around. We were hopefully would from a football perspective, not a fan perspective, because we felt like he's got five, six good years left, and we felt like the pieces could come together and he could build himself into a nice core moving forward with this offense. But it was not to be. So when we determined, you know, Matt Rule saying, hey, you're not not really committed to being a Vinka starter, but we really love Cam. I started thinking about where he would go. And, you know, the Chargers were obviously, you know, right there at the forefront. But I kept telling myself, and I know your friend Doug Farrar and others have, have talked about the Patriots. I just saw that as a beautiful fit because Belichick loves, he, he loves to do things out of the ordinary. And we know that. I mean, he was with Brady for, what, 20-something years now. And, you know, that's one thing. But he's brought guys in like Hainsworth. He's brought in an Antonio Brown. He had let Doug Flutie do a drop kick for crying out loud. He loves doing things that sort of are against the grain. And I think this was an opportunity for him not only to you know, stay true to that, but also the value you're getting at that amount. Was it $7 million? Just over $7 million in incentives? Uh, he's being paid less this year than Matt Rule is by Carolina. So it's a great value deal. Um, what I said on the other end, and I had a gut feeling about this following this team of the years – that, you know, Charlotte tends to get, you know, the short end of the stick, like some markets do. So Cam has been slaughtered by the media over the years, mostly the hot take guys, you know, the Colin Cowards and those guys. But, you know, even the mainstream ESPN, the sports centers, they tend to, you know, they spend too much time emphasizing the towel over the head and the pouting after the Super Bowl. And I just had a feeling, you know, he's going to move on and there's going to be this renaissance. There's going to be this celebration, this coronation that, oh, Cam is finally here. And I'm like, he's been here for a decade. He's right. been balling out. But uh, I thought it was funny. You know, I I, I expected it to be uh, a pretty big brownswell of support from the national media and fans. But nothing like this. And I think that's a sign of the times. We're all a little bored. COVID's kind of taken over our conscience. And uh, we're a little more hyped up about things than usual when it comes to sports. But it was good to see Cam finally get a gig. And I think it's going to be a great uh, great team for him.
0: And let me sort of build off of that, John, because... You know, you've studied Cam Newton more than anybody. Where is Cam? You, you said sort of. F- you still think he has like five years? Where is he right now?
1: Well, the health thing, I don't know. I, that's such a mystery here. I have tried to put that in sort of a. Uh, it's hard to compartmentalize that because it's a key factor. But with injuries, you don't know injuries. Uh, in terms of guys like Roethlisberger, they've had him over the years. The elbow injury. There's there's been injuries with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you're looking at guys over the years historically with quarterbacks. Even Dan Marino blew out his Achilles. So it's hard to know if these guys will rebound or not from these injuries. Uh, Newton, that the word on the street seems to be with the shoulder that there may be some arthritic issues with that that could limit his ability to extend his career into the Tom Brady sphere. Now, you know, I'm thinking five years is at least reasonable. Because the way he was throwing the ball at camp last year, I was there every day covering camp at Spartanburg. It looked fantastic. He didn't quite have the zip on the intermediate stuff. But his touch on the long ball was back, and that was not there the past couple years prior. And then this damn turf monster eats his foot in New England, ironically enough, right? (laughs) where he ends up now. Um, I I don't know about the health side. I really don't. I think the foot will be fine. The shoulder, maybe long term, might come back to haunt him a little bit. But I think it's a little bit overstated. I I see guys get hurt all the time in this league, and you do too. And they heal, for the most part. These aren't catastrophic injuries. and, And the fact is, these two injuries are completely unconnected. So the foot has had time to heal. The shoulders had extra time to heal. Now, as far as his, you know, film looked, you know, 2018 North Turner came in and ran a more horizontal attack, obviously more of a, uh, you know, quick screen, bubble screen, get the ball out quick. And that was a lot of by design because of, uh, you know, Newton's tendency to sail the ball on those intermediate long throws, but also. To try to rein things in for the shoulder that was been you know nagging him since 2016. So I think Norv did a fantastic job of designing an offensive work. It's just he got hurt mid season with the TJ Walk to the you know shoulder, and he just could not sustain after that. Plus the defense let them down too. There were a lot of games gambling great, and they just uh, they lost eight straight. That's the the stat they keep throwing out now. Mark is uh, he's 0 and eight in his last eight starts. Oh, yeah, that's a high level lazy stat. You know it. You got to dig a little deeper and find out why. Uh, the, the night before, the week before they went to Pittsburgh and lost by, you know, fifty-two to twenty, whatever it was. I was at the game where they played Tampa at home. It was Cam Newton's last win as a starter. He put up thirty-five points in the first half. It's a team record. So they were cruising. They had momentum and they came back and, and put it on Seattle a few weeks later, still lost because of the defense. I just think Cam has the ability with the right guys to come in and regenerate a little bit of what he had maybe not 2015 level that's a hard one mark that's yeah (laughs) that's a hard kid but 2017 2013 those years where he took them to the playoffs and did a lot with his legs a lot with his arm you know let's see if it goes but i think belichick and mcdaniels will you know uh introduce some concepts that he's familiar with as we've talked about
0: you know john say you were matt rule okay I know with Matt Rule coming in, you know it's obviously his decision what direction he wants to take this team. But let's say you got that gig coming in as a new head coach. Would you want to try to reload around Cam or would you have done what Matt Rule did and sort of looked for your guy?
1: I would have probably tried my best to reload around Cam. And I don't think in this day and age you necessarily have to tear things down completely. The NFL is designed to bring things back to life quickly jacksonville was what one bad drive away from a super bowl appearance two years ago and now look where they are it goes fast and it comes back fast if you can get yourself on track there um they were in a tough spot with some dead cap anyway you know luke retired uh they still had matt khalil's uh gargantuan contract on the books so they pretty much rented a defense last year with guys like gerald mccoy bruce Irvin. Uh, You know, Eric Reed is gone now, and that was a bit of a surprise to to many. But I do like what they're doing in terms of saying, you know what, (laughs) we're going all defense on draft. I don't know if that was the plan or not. I doubt it was the plan, but it ended up working out that way. I knew they wanted to go heavy defensively, but I like the infusion of young guys. I like the ability to say, you know what, we've got veterans on offense now. Teddy's a capable game manager. I do like a lot of his tape. There's just not enough of it. I mean, there's five games last year plus one and a half or uh, half a game after that that he came in late. Uh, and then he hasn't been a starter since uh, 2015, the last time Newton won an MVP, by the way. Right. So I, it's, it's hard. You know, Newton's contract was $19 million on that last year in Carolina. Folks are saying, well, he would have played now on that one-year deal, given you know, the fact he's signing with New England. You know, maybe Newton's head was somewhere else that we don't know about. Maybe Newton wasn't ready to take $19 million from Carolina and risk his health. But maybe he was willing to test the market. And then when he said, you know what, I can't test the market because I'm hurt. Bill Belichick's going to offer me half that, but it's New England there's prestige and maybe this is what I need uh I'm fascinated to know what went into his decision process uh from that standpoint but if I'm Matt role you know I understand you have to bring in who you think is best for your operation for your culture um I, you know I Cam Newton is such a transcendent football player uh you look at the completion percentage you look at what he can do from a football perspective as a passer and we get caught up in some of the numbers completion percentage and efficiencies but what he does on the ground that hasn't slowed down it has not maybe it will with the foot injury but you're talking about six seven carries a game on average you're talking about maybe 30 40 yards a game that are invaluable to keep those chains moving uh not only that it keeps the defense honest with that uh, run threat so uh i just don't know what i would do if i was in matt's shoes i would try everything i could to keep on moving with the guy but i'm not sure teddy Bridgewater would be my second choice um, at that cost. But we'll have to see.
0: Let me ask you this, John, before we get to some listener questions. How do you see this situation playing out with Cam in New England? And would you write him in as the week one starter? And if so, would you do it with pencil, pen, or go as far as to do it in Sharpie?
1: I would go the darkest Sharpie marker you've got. There you go. I, I you, you can't not start the guy. Now, I'm sure, you know, Bill... You know him. You know how he functions. He's going to keep things very close to the vest. And, uh, you know, we, we believe in Cam. We believe in Jared. I'm sure it's going to be magnificent to hear him talk about both the guys. But at the end of the day, I, I don't know anything about Jared other than he played at Auburn. And I've seen a little bit of tape on him from preseason. I, there's too many unknowns. There's far less unknowns with Newton. You've got him at a really good cost this year. It's what New England does best. They get uh, positional value. And this is the first time at that position they've been able to really cash in on that. So now they can work towards that and build other pieces around the fact they're not paying, you know, 50, 60 million bucks to a quarterback. I don't know if uh, Newton is going to thrive there because I just don't know how healthy the foot is and how that translates into him being a dynamic runner. Uh, If he's asked to, you know, throw the ball 25, 30 times a game and just be a pure pocket passer, I think, you know, North Turner tried that and and did a good job of trying that but Norv also said when he came in we're not going to limit his runs and he didn't they came right out the first game 2018 and they ran maybe 10 11 times with newton and it was successful and it kept the defense honest uh i think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch though you know mcdaniels is creative you know he's chomping at the bit to try some new things here after a long uh, stint here with guys like brady and then kyle orton at denver he's looking forward to seeing somebody who at 31 years old i think still has the athleticism to uh, provide a third dimension. Uh checked. People have made a lot about that relationship. Got on sports talk radio. Heard some guys in Boston last night saying, uh, is Bill going to put up the, the celebrations? I don't think so. I just don't think that's a big deal. No. Bill Bill loves characters. Bill loves uh, guys who love football. Cam loves football. I can tell you that firsthand. You watch the tape. You get to know people who know him. He's dead serious about being the best. Otherwise, he'd drift away after this offseason like many thought he might. But uh, no, no. He took uh, a fairly uh, insignificant contract, and he's trying to reblossom his career with a championship organization. I think that speaks a lot to his uh, his football character. So we'll see how it goes.
0: As always, the great listeners basically make me look good, base you know week in and week out, and this show is no exception. I got some great questions from the listeners via. The SCO Show Slack channel, which anybody can join, hit me up with a DM at Mark Schofield on Twitter. And John, why don't we sort of build off of that? Because Andy Likens was going to ask you about this potential perceived personality conflict between Cam Newton and Bill Belichick. And I couldn't, you know, disagree with the idea that there's going to be some sort of conflict more. I, th- I think you sort of started there, but. Could you build on that idea of how, you know, there's not going to be this issue between the two of them and the Cam Newton, the player and Bill Belichick, the coach, are going to really enjoy being around each other?
1: Right. I think the way I can put it is this and then being around that operation that I've been around for a decade on a peripheral level and then working in the ropes on some reporting. I know a lot of people who work within the ropes there and in the organization. So you you pretty much get this about Cam cam has his entertainment side of the business there he's built quite an empire on that side and he's continued to develop that the outfits you know look that's part of him that's part of his character that's part of his personality uh the stuff he does with the end zone celebrations uh didn't seem to matter in 2015 when they kept winning games you know there were it was there were, they were not uh, any t- and nobody on that team as far as a greg olson a mike tolbert a thomas davis was you know keeping him in check you go to training camp and you can see cam was the one keeping guys like josh norman in check uh he was a veteran leader uh in the locker room in the quarterback room uh that's what you hear about when you hear about cam Newton. nothing but leadership so the stuff you see you know i, I think people do get sucked into this vortex if he wears weird clothes he does funny dances he does give footballs away to kids but you know let's not talk about that right um I don't, from a personality standpoint, I don't think there. I don't think Bill really gets into that. I I just don't. I think Bill sizes people up from a football perspective, and he understands unless there are some major issues. I mean, he signed Antonio Brown and gave that a shot. He's worked with guys like this in the past that, you know, some are perceiving them to be a little bit off the uh, reservation in terms of, you know, maybe their personality fit. Uh, I don't think that's a big concern for Bill. I think Bill wants the best football people available, people that love the game. And that's a big thing to him. Mentally and physically tough, which Cam fits that bill. Does Cam have to work on some things? Absolutely. His precision, his accuracy, uh, you know, especially the intermediate stuff. He's got to get better at that. Um, but that's small potatoes compared to what he brings to the table as far as leadership. He's a six-foot-six quarterback who weighs 250 pounds, built like a rock, it's Julius Peppers as a quarterback. So the All idea right. that he's wearing and tearing down with these hits over the years, I don't buy it. The two injuries he had, he said, you know, we got to get these things fixed. He spent two years now fixing them. I'm eager to see what comes out of it. From a personality standpoint, I, I just think, you know, Bill, you see Bill, you know, hugging Ocho Cinco and you know, They're like, you know, buddies and they're talking. Bill's, I think, a little more relaxed than people give him credit for. And uh, in terms of how things function in that locker room, Uh, It'll be pretty interesting to see because Brady's gone and you've got some core veterans now that have moved on. So there's a whole new core coming in that has to carry that torch. We'll see how Cam fits in. And it's a one-year deal, Mark. So, you know, you never know. This may not be a long-term thing. Maybe a one-year deal. They say, you know what, for the best best of both of us, let's move (laughs) on. But uh, hopefully he can uh, stick around for a while.
0: Matt St. John wants to know about the comparison between what Cam has had in terms of skill players around him in Carolina and the situation he's walking into now in New England.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it, it, there's been some people that have knocked what New England has right now. With the You know, they've got, um, obviously, the Edelman. They've lost their tight ends. They've lost, uh, you know, Gronk, who's been around for forever. I, I think they have some good pieces to work with in terms of guys like uh, the, the running back, you know, Burkhead. You've got guys like uh, White who can be sort of a Christian McCaffrey role player in terms of catching the ball out of the backfield. Sonny Michel is one of the most dynamic backs in the league, and I think you still have enough in the receiving core. Uh, it, it definitely trumps what Cam Newton had in like a 2017 when he took Carolina to an 11-5 record. Uh, they had guys like Russell Shepard, Keelan Clay, uh, Britton Burson. Uh, <laughs> uh, right. These guys, I think, are all out of the league, and he he, he was able to you know put together some pretty impressive uh big time wins with that unit and he made those guys better so i don't think it's going to be you know a a bad fit for him he's certainly not walking into you know randy moss and <laughs> right. it's not an all-star unit but i think he's going to be comfortable and as you know, you know the ep system they run there in new england with uh, mcdaniels and belichick's philosophy going all the way back to parcells uh, they talked about really it's, it's all about it's not about grounded and pound and then pass off that it's about identifying those uh, concepts, some of those route concepts, and uh, making it easy for the quarterback and making it hard for the opponent. And I think that'll benefit Cam to get back into a system that he's familiar with, or at least some concepts he's familiar with. And I, I think that is probably as important, if not more important, than the actual receivers himself at this point. The offensive line, too, you got to consider what they've got up front. Um, obviously, there's been some turnover lately, and we'll see how they hold up, too, because Cam has been through some left tackles. I think I posted a stat not too long ago that he's had a starting left tackle uh, change every year since 2013 on week one. It's been a different left tackle starting. So there's got to be some consistency there for him to uh, extend his career, I think.
0: Now, Huzifa Patel wants to know, John, if you've seen... The great assessment that uh, Stephen Ruiz did over at for the win on how Cam's injuries affected his recent play, particularly in throws downfield into the right. And if so, if you'd agree with that based on your film study of the quarterback, mm.
1: Stephen did a great piece on that, and I don't have it in front of me, but I remember reading it, and I was at that game, the second game of the year, where he had the you know reaggravated the foot, and yeah, I think the shoulder is absolutely fine, and I'm telling you this from experience from sitting right there inside the ropes at training camp, watching him go through, you know, warmups, you know, not not as much of the pain and the, the, he just looked happier, looked at peace. He looked like he was ready to rock. He didn't look that way in years prior. Like he finally got this thing fixed. And then when he was out there, you know, scrimmaging against the Buffalo Bills, uh, when he was out there practicing against his own guys, I'm talking to the intermediate stuff, had a nice zip on it that didn't before. And then the touch on the deep ball was back, I think the foot absolutely just made that game against Tampa and against the, the Rams, quite honestly, because the foot happened in New England, if you remember in the preseason, week one he played on the bad foot, week two he reaggravates it, and in the second half it got even worse in terms of his throwing. So I think the, um, you know, outside the members and to the right, yeah, that's what I saw when I was there. Stevens, absolutely right, which is why I think if this foot thing tidies itself up, And, uh, you know, guys like Hollywood Brown recently have had the Liz Frank and and they end up playing quite a few snaps last year at a pretty volatile position. So I think he can get that thing under control and, you know, get it managed, Got a new training staff there, too. So hopefully maybe there's some new fresh eyes on things. Um, I I do think he can get right back to where he was in terms of a uh, above average passer and even one of the more dynamic runners at the position.
0: Obviously, a concern playing in New England is the weather, the elements. You might get some pretty cold, pretty tough games in, say, January and December uh, at yeah. Gillette Stadium. And John wants to know um, your assessment of Cam as a cold weather quarterback. How does he handle those situations?
1: That's a great question. That's a question nobody has asked me yet about Cam. And I had to dig around and do a little research on this because Cam has played, by my count, in three games in less than 32 degree weather. Three games. And we're talking about Minnesota 14. We're talking about Washington 2016, Cleveland 2018. You're looking at uh, 65 of 124, 714 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, one win, two losses. He looked really good in that 2016 game. It was you know 20 degrees there. In terms of uh, you know like rain, they haven't had a lot of rain games either. A lot of they had a monsoon game against Andrew Luck and the Colts back in 2015. that went to overtime and he played magnificent in that game given the uh, conditions. Uh, His first win ever was in the pouring rain against Jacksonville. And uh, he was 18 of 34, buck 50. That's going way back now. One of his best games ever. One of his last great drives ever, 2013, when they really sort of dethroned the Saints from their little run they had. They were playing the Saints week 16, and uh, he hits again on a deep crosser to start the drive with about a minute and a half. They got to go all the way down there to uh, score seven to win the game and clinch the division. And uh, in the rain, he pulls that drive off. Three or four passes, completions, hits Dominic Hickson in the corner. It's hard to say. You know, he, he's obviously got good size. His hands, you know, you look at the hands and make sure that he's got the hand size to grip the ball in that kind of weather. There's just not enough of a sample size in bad weather. He's had such good weather to play in. Yeah. uh, To me, I don't think it's going to be a major issue. He's a physical tough guy. He's a competitor, and I don't think that's going to be a big problem.
0: This has been fantastic, John. Let me get you out of here on this one. From covering this guy, from seeing this guy, your favorite Cam Newton memory?
1: Favorite Cam Newton memory? Well, I've got two of them here. Let me tell you. The first one would be just the absolute joy he brought my kids at training camp. You know, I'm sitting there covering my freelance stuff and I'm taking pictures and I'm trying to do the freelance work thing and sweating. And I got my three kids there and I'm trying to keep an eye on them. And he walks up to the fence and he signs something for them and he gives them the big old cam smile. And they're just awestruck. And, you know, two of them aren't even football fans, but they knew who cam was. So I think a lot of what cam does in terms of his, uh, impact in the community, in terms of his reach out to, uh, to children in the community is sincere. And I got to kind of see it firsthand as far as football goes, Ah, you can't help but look back at that uh, 2015 season. He had two plays in that game, in the 2015 title game against Arizona. There was a uh, sort of an outside sweep he ran, and he was uh, two or three Cardinals were on him. He's diving to the first down, gets it. Very next play, they run a quarterback sweep to the right, dives like Superman when he didn't have to, but you know, (laughs) it's just perfect. Dives over the goal line to pretty much seal their uh, first uh, Super Bowl. Appearance And what was it, 15 years at that point, 12 years, something like that. So that was a great memory because that, I think, play. And I'll post that later on One Panther place. Those two plays, consecutive plays, define Cam Newton to me. Tough, not willing to, you know, put his nose in there and put his body on the line. And at the same time, he's just so much bigger than everybody else. He comes out of it feeling just fine. It was a great pleasure to watch him play over these years. And uh, as an analyst, I think it's going to be fun to watch him here in New England.
0: Fantastic stuff, John. Let me turn the microphone over to you. Remind people where they can find you and the great work you're doing.
1: Thanks so much, Mark. Uh, OnePantherPlace.com. That's the word one. OnePantherPlace.com is where you can find us. That is our website. We put an article out maybe once every month, maybe a little more than that. Now that we're picking up some uh, news here coming up. One Panther Place on Twitter again. O n e Panther Place on Twitter is where you can find us. And coming soon. My good friend Billy Marshall and I are starting a Panthers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. Blue Wire's got some great content. Check them out at bluewirepods.com. But we'll be up and running with our new NFL podcast here sometime in July.
0: Great stuff, John. Look forward to the new podcast. Folks, that will do it for episode 118 of the Scotia. I will be back next week. Will there be one show, two shows? Who knows? I'll figure that out as we go. Until then, friends, please stay safe. Check in on your neighbors. Check in on your loved ones. If you're excited about Cam Newton in New England and after what John just did for you, you should be, then wear a mask. That will help so we can <laughs> see it this fall. And also, as always, wash your hands. And what do you do sin along, sin the chorus. It saves lives. And bless those Patriots' reigns down in Foxburg.